Creative Frequency, the voices of creative arts therapists around the globe. Okay, uh, good morning listeners. Welcome to Creative Frequency in Conversation. This is a live uh, internet webcast um, inviting all practitioners counseling online counselors creative art therapists play therapists drama therapists of whatever persuasion and open invitation uh, to join us in an informal chit chat regular chit chat each week uh, or each fortnight uh, we have a theme uh, just to focus our minds and to share and to exchange uh, opinions, views, clarify, ask questions uh, around the theme. Uh, this morning theme uh, is on symbols, the place of symbols in our practice as counsellors and also as creative therapists. This morning I have with me in our uh, guest panel uh, two guests. Uh, let me introduce them. My first guest is YY. Uh, could you say hello to our audience, YY? Hi, this is YY. Yeah, hi, YY. Uh, maybe say a sentence or two about yourself and the background you come from. Okay, I'm in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, I'm currently uh, working as a uh, clinical psychologist in the hospital, but uh, I also do play therapy, mm-hmm. um, as, uh, continuing my te- uh, training in that area at the moment. Yeah, so that's my interest into therapies okay. for now. <laughs> thanks, thanks ever so much, Rawai. Uh, <laughs> my other guest this morning is Mincy. Uh, could you say hello to our uh, listeners, uh, Mincy? Hi, everybody. This is Mincy. Um, I'm a play therapist uh, currently working at um, Bo Bureau on Learning Difficulties, a non-profit making organization in Penang. Okay, thank, thank you ever so much, uh, Mincy. Uh, in talking about symbols, you see, uh, I suppose for me, I'm very, very much influence uh, I suppose the the notion of symbols has always been in the background uh, I think it's only for me personally when it came to doing my formal training in counseling and in drama therapy that I started uh, to engage more in the relevance of symbols particularly in my own personal development and in the clinical work that I was doing. And uh, this area uh, was predominantly, I think for me, it was in body work, Reichian therapy, uh, where the notion of uh, the body representing certain emotional and psychological states, you see. And from that, uh, it also took me into my 
MA research when I was researching into the use of the I Ching or I Ching as somebody called it, uh, which then I was heavily influenced by Jungian psychology. Uh, and that's where symbols then come to take a much more uh, uh, predominant or central role in all the work I was doing. And in drama therapy, uh, you can't escape because any kind of creative arts therapy uh, leans heavily into Jungian contribution. And with the aesthetics and the narratives and the and the depth psychology that's contributing to understand the meaning behind the stories that are told, uh, the stories that are created uh, within the drama, uh, within the century, within the you know performances, within the poetry, within. So it was inescapable. Uh, so this is where I come into into the world of symbols and understanding symbols. But more and more, I find it too, uh, having an appreciation of symbols uh, in terms of communicating not only the personal, but also the cultural as well as the archetypal yeah, uh, uh, richness. Uh, it's also borne out in many of the people that I supervise from counsellors to play therapists to drama therapists, art therapists uh, for persuasion. So having an appreciation of uh, symbols uh, enrich uh, the work I do, not only as a practitioner but also as a supervisor and personal development in terms of understanding some of the unconscious unconscious means not only my personal unconscious but also my collective unconscious uh, enables me to get in touch with I consider the divine within or the spirituality within which is really young psychology is this self spell of big S. So that's where that's where my take is on symbols at the present moment. Have you got any thoughts about the place of symbols in your life, uh, either as an individual or either as practitioners in your world? Mm. Well, yes, I do. I noticed that uh, many children also they would like they like to create um, images mm -hmm. in the sand for example yeah. which to me also as a symbol to represent some of their thoughts or feelings mm -hmm. so Mincy uh, well, when you notice the clients which is I assume predominantly uh, children uh, how do you use uh, what has been created has has a possible communication through symbolic form 
uh, of what may be going on on a personal level, maybe on a social cultural level, or on a even more deeper archetypal uh, level with me from the collective unconscious. Is there anything that comes to your mind? Um, let's say if something cultural would be, I've come across children who, uh, you know, in for example, Chinese when it is coming to the um, Qingbing festival, where they will go to pray for the people who has uh, passed away, and then some children also uh, uh, play out the ritual in the playroom, where they use. Um, uh, some trees and then to and then uh, some other toys to create the grave yeah and repeat the ritual yeah okay so one of the things that you notice uh, particularly in terms of its connection yeah with rituals mm -hmm. rituals that follow a particular cycle like a particular period in a community where you celebrate different occasion uh, marked by those rituals. So one of the things that you notice uh, in the example you're given is that uh, during the period of the what we call locally, I imagine uh, in Malaysia, the festival of the hungry mm -hmm. ghosts, yeah? which is usually yes, yes. around August. For Western listeners, this is equivalent to the like also the uh, and also the Mexican also they have a festival it's called Motido something is it uh, uh, it's a festival where they wear all the death masks and and things like that. I think Italian also have that where they go to their tombs and take out the and clean the skeletons of their. Uh, ancestors and things like that. So in all culture, uh, the the festival that celebrate uh, those that has passed on uh, is marked by certain rituals. And what you're saying that uh, clients that you see the uh, young clients you see in play therapy uh, somehow manifested, yeah those social mm -hmm. cultural rituals within the playroom especially during that period that means they imitate the rituals uh, they may be engaged in when they visit the graves with the parents as such is, is that correct yes and especially those children who have gone through the bereavement mm -hmm. they tend to play this out and then sometimes they use uh, the papers to represent um, the papers that uh, in the real ritual where they burn mm -hmm. you know, as a way to communicate with uh, the people who have passed away. Okay, so uh, what you are saying yeah, is rituals that they acquire through their social, cultural exposure yeah, to adults. Mm -hmm. And that get played out 
into the uh, into the playroom. How yeah. is that symbolic? Yeah. That means it, it brings it back the questions again. What is mm -hmm. uh, symbolic that comes out? Yeah. And what is uh, imitation? You see. Because if, if, if that was the case, that means we have to struggle with what is the nature of symbols, what is the function of symbols. Yeah? So what you're saying is that they acquire certain cultural rituals which they see uh, to represent mm -hmm. communicating with the dead and has a way of them dealing with the psychological task of grief. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So what is the nature of that symbolic nature for the individual? Because symbols got to have the meaning relevant to the individuals. So the question arises is that how do we know when they do that? Yeah, that in mm -hmm. some way yeah, contains that relevant symbolic meaning for that individual because I suppose symbols when you define it contains emotional or uh, numinous qualities see that means then they are charged yeah the charge is certain emotional psychic energy you see mm -hmm. and that's a very interesting point because what you're saying is that in that socialization, culturalization where they uh, acquire yeah, learning through imitation of their parental behavior. In that process, uh, some kind of personal meaning may have been attached to the action of that ritual or conveyed by the parents but what is more significant how does that resonate yeah meaning beyond yeah uh, the obvious to go into meaning that is already inherent i mean if you take the notion that a child when a child comes on to this world with them, they have inherited psychic structures of our humanity's past. That's what the archetypal or psychic energy is being inherited from one generation to the other generation and contains a more universal uh, what they call it, a more universal themes, is it? So mm -hmm. it makes me reflect upon in the act yeah, of using social cultural symbols, it activated or is interface the potentiality for those symbols when you acquire them in, in an imitative learning can resonate yeah, 
deeper connection with the uh, symbolic life of the collective unconscious which is beyond the consciousness of the child and that was fascinating mm -hmm. me then I think for practitioners how do we distinguish then when a child is just playing out what mommy does yeah you know like mm -hmm. doing masa masa or cooking or because they see the, ma the mother cooking all the time so that's a piece of behavior right. yeah and something mm -hmm. that stirs some yeah the 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 depths of the child which contains archetypal psychic energy maybe the inner healer uh, which prompted the constellation of certain energy patterns that give rise yeah to certain behavior that the child engaging in in the process of growth or development or individuation or inner healing you see mm -hmm. does that make sense mm. in terms of the yeah. reflection because that's an important question isn't it? because how do you know a child is just not directly imitating yeah without no connection to the behavior that the that the child is imitating yeah mm-hmm but well, i, I mean, think um, when the mm-hmm go on now why why say what you want to say oh yeah sorry yeah um coming to that point where you say how do you actually know that it is not imitation and it's going beyond imitation mm -hmm. um it might actually be at that level itself when the child is striving to understand that he or she is actually uh, repeating that act to actually see how it actually makes sense to him and in when we see a, uh, our client uh, maybe showing differences as he goes by through the rituals as uh -huh. he plays it out testing uh, or checking whether it will be the same symbol because the people around him or her is using it as a way of communicating of relating to to the past or to that person so if he or she can use that same same energy that is around him and harness it then the the healing would actually take place we, we hope that it can actually happen I mean, in a social cultural way, without coming to the therapist, I say <laughs> it, it is something that is out there, but it uh, might not be enough. That's why they end up with us. That's that one point. But when you're working with the archetypes, the archetypes go beyond the limitation of the social cultural symbols. Because if the collective archetypes is the universal symbols that is inherited uh, from humanity itself, so that symbols should have a universal quality. So regardless of whether if you are in one particular social cultural context or the other, it should have a common yeah, quality. So, so if you if you were to let's say if you were to working with a that means you're saying brave child of a non yeah eastern uh, descent let's say we're working with a let's say a child from another country that you're not familiar with so mm -hmm. how do we know 
yeah, when a child represents some of the uh, what they call it, some of the creation, which is a manifestation, yeah, of that collective unconscious through the sim sim symbolization, yeah, of the emerging drama or the story or you know or the scene that or that has been represented in the century. Mm. Because if you know if well, you for example, just, mm. Mm -hmm. For example, sometimes the children uh, would like to repeat the act of uh, burying the monster or the scary animals after a very fierce fighting. Mm -hmm. And to, to me, I can see that after they buried all the horrible monster, the scary animals that come to attack the ordinary people, I sometimes can see a sense of relief in themselves, the children. So I think in a way it is therapeutic. Okay. So the act of bearing monsters, yeah, uh, mm. that we see quite often yeah, in some of the century. Uh, okay, I note that uh, the guests can't hear uh, oh. you and uh, Mincy so uh -huh. I'm going to put which is why I was taking up now there may be sense of uh, an echo uh, sorry for that but hopefully the guests who are now listening in in Ustream should be able to hear you. Mincy, could you say something? Just say one, two, three. Right, right. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's fine. Can you they, hear me clearly? Yeah, uh -huh. They should be able to hear now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me type that in. You should be able to hear the guess now. Uh, you have to tolerate with the echo on on the Skype at the moment because I'm using two <laughs> two things that's going on at the moment. As you were saying, you see, uh, in the, in in what you just said, the act of bearing, yeah, monsters. We take that to the first layer, yeah. We say that uh, yes, it represents bearing negative things, things that frighten us, horrible things, and has a way of covering them up, yeah, pushing them down, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, how is that when we were to take the nature of symbols, yeah, to understand it? Because symbols is usually dynamic. It's not a direct translation are uh, this equals that you see symbols offers mm -hmm. us i suppose the possibility for the individuals to consider in many facets so you say would it make a difference if you bury a male 
a dinosaur or a female dinosaur or he buries a dog or if he buries them in water where's bury them in sand and what is the nature if you were to use the process of amplification of active imagination why sand you see why mm -hmm. so what is the nature of earth because earth can transform yeah if you were to play with it uh, yeah you can make different shapes um the texture itself already uh, give you a kind of uh soothing or something very flexible where you can use your imagination to create any shape with the sand uh-huh and and we take things literally you say we say sand but what is sand you know, if, if you were to play with symbols, because symbols are supposed to contain within itself all the possibilities, all the potential possibilities uh, for that individual to relate to, to make uh, meaning only the individual can make. Yeah. So if, 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 if this was just a dream, another way I work with this, if I say to you, uh, let me invite you to say that you have a dream and in the dream you see yourself burying yeah, dinosaurs in the sand now the job is to make personal understanding of that dream that you've just had how would you go about yeah, to make personal connection with the dream that you have just had you had a dream, a very vivid dream, about burying dinosaurs in the sand. Because there's another way to go beyond our literal you know, translation of what we see in the clinical environment, you see. By taking it upon ourselves and test it out for us, you see. And I suppose using... Uh, those processes uh, that Jung has illustrated uh, that can enhance our deeper understanding and therefore connection uh, to the uh, to the what do you call that the richness of the symbol beyond yeah our cognitive our social cultural understanding of that representation so by taking it as, as if it was a dream that we have had and then by testing it upon ourselves if this was the dream for it was my dream what may it mean to me personally so you ask yourself hmm dinosaurs what is the nature of dinosaurs are they animals that are dead already? They are extinct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does it say? Something about burying something that is already extinct regarding to my psychic life. And if dinosaurs were a representation 
of a particular uh, pattern of energy whether dinosaurs are a representation of my female energy or male energy so is bearing a dinosaur could it for me reason that uh, is to keep my female energy in check or my male energy in check so it can lead to potentiality beyond uh, what is the obvious you see mm -hmm. so in bearing that what am I attempting to do then I reflect upon that uh, is bearing in earth has a way of transforming the energy because when we wanted to bring new growth new transformation we usually sow our seed in the earth so that it may grow so earth is just not only earth for bearing dead things but also for um, growth. seeding yeah the potentiality mm -hmm. of growth so mm -hmm. is bearing uh, is to put things away or is it bearing is to sow the seed potential for transformation you see because in earth it gives the ground upon which creation can occur just like the plants mm -hmm. when you put seeds on the ground plants can grow you see right then other things i suppose uh, in the earth when you say earth earth is what earth is a male symbol or female symbol feminine symbol or masculine symbol when we compare to our notion of you know even if we take our cultural uh, some symbols i suppose when we refer to earth we always call it mother earth we never call it father earth you know? Mm -hmm. So even yeah. even in our own uh, uh, cultural unconscious, which is universal, I I think if you go to all cultures, Earth is always contains the feminine principle. You see, Mother Earth. When we yeah. refer I in Chinese, mm -hmm. sorry. I carry on. <laughs> sorry, you were saying something. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. Just now I can't hear, but it's okay now. Okay, so with Earth, if the if the feminine principle, then we have the contrast of heaven, you know, which is tend to be a masculine symbol. So you know, even in all cultures, see, Father in heaven, or even in the Chinese heaven representing the yang energy and earth representing the yin uh, even in uh, I Ching too you see the trigrams of heaven is the three yang lines and the trigrams for earth is the three yin lines which is the receptive so in working with symbols it can enrich the depth of our understanding beyond the first level yeah which is 
like a straightforward uh, interpretation. You see, okay, burying the dinosaurs and burying the things that we fear that can easily fall into making uh, very simplistic, yeah, I suppose understanding of the more uh, sophisticated uh, psychic structure uh, of any human being, see. So we got to be, I suppose for me, I feel that I got to be very careful and to keep open to the possibilities, you see, and just not just conclude too, too prematurely and too hastily uh, what the actions I may mean, mean symbolically for any individuals. So Alex, uh, yeah. in, from that, um, it might transfer to you when you say bring it down another level about, for example, what Minsi say about burying a monster, yeah? Whether that monster is within the child or is without, you know, is it something that the child actually sees as a good or a bad part, you know, I think that is why we would need to look into other levels because the monster might not be what we think that it is, yeah. because it might mean differently for our clients as a I, symbol or something different. I think the, the starting point is that uh, as human beings, we have the capacity to have monsters, not only child only. Mm. Uh, our monsters could be in various sh shapes, sizes, you know, in different forms. But all of them is basically us, our creation. You got to remember that. And in many ways, you see, uh, it could be the shadow, our shadow, you know. So the thing we fear is that we fear our own shadows, you see. So the question about therapeutic uh, goal is how do we come to a point to be able to incorporate, accept and integrate yeah, our shadow, you see. Not to push it away, not to bury it but uh, to know it for what it is, to accept it as part of us, and to integrate mm -hmm. it. And that's where it loses its power. Because we know it's not something outside of us. It is something of us, our own creation. You see? And in those shadows, which is really in our darkness of our conscious, if we fear them, then we will never take... Manifest in other way. We will never take the journey to discover our potentiality, which is also kept in the darkness of the caves, yeah, mm -hmm. into the deepest of the jungle. That's where the hero's journey begins. When you say within and without, it actually reminds me about something. You know, we, we now we look a lot into what happens in the therapeutic spaces in the, in the playroom. But if we look at like in what the artists do in the museums or in the art galleries, you can see a lot of this actually being being expressed. Uh, so I was just wondering, 
how would it is it something that we can actually um, promote um, to have more symbols uh, being available in the outside world outside the therapy room that would actually help I think this is because uh, there's no uh, there's no split between the therapist and the self, you see. Uh, a therapist is only the person who has a sensitivity to their own processes to be able to have that sensitivity in the process of others. So our personal uh, development is very very strongly related to the things that we do or don't do and in this case being a therapist so it is inescapable yeah I always have subscribed to the notion you see what enables me to do therapy is dependent upon what I'm willing to challenge myself in terms of my own understanding of uh, an incorporation of my own shadows I got a quote I thought uh, which is very interesting from Carl Jung he says something like uh, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves so basically uh, whatever is presented to us you know, uh, in the way that we see uh, as the other is always contains the elements of our projection of our shadows you see understand that and we understand ourselves and I think yeah yeah so when I mm-hmm. you see yeah especially when someone uh, is able to trigger some strong feeling in me. For example, I feel especially angry with someone. When I uh, reflect back, it's always because that that uh, thing that I'm angry with is because I myself also have that character. For example, the aggression. But I also know that I have my own aggression inside me. Mm. Which is why in the many ways if you take the, I suppose which is why we take the notion of what we do or what has unconsciously motivated us to take up a profession like counseling or therapy uh, could be prompted by the constellation of our own uh, psychic energy uh, in the propulsion towards our own personal growth we might not even be aware of that but when only when we are ready are we able to follow the path yeah? so when we take the path of a healer it is for ourselves not for other people is it? so if we starting point is that then we don't take on the moral high grounds of oh I'm here to help other people yeah? mm-hmm. we take the uh, humble 
background is that other people is teaching me about myself. My clients yeah. is helping me to learn about myself. Mm -hmm. So it's a good it's a good dictum to have because it makes you more conscious. Mm. Uh -huh. And if you take symbols, you see, and if you start to really to work with symbols, it can only enrich yourself, your life. And art, yeah, is a real uh, treasure trove, yeah, of basically that. Which is why one of the thing about uh, the creative arts uh, is inescapable uh, to work at a deeper level, see, of understanding the imagery, the shape, the form, in terms of what may be communicated by the artist, what may be resonated in the viewer, in the audience of the art, yeah, and therefore uh, what may be touched on, what is the universal humanity that we all struggle with, you see? And this, you see, another thing I want to share with you, you see, nobody as long as he moves about among the chaotic currents of life, is without trouble. See, in all our time, we tend to try to use the delete button on all the challenges and problems that we have, instead of accepting them as the starting point that this we are inescapable. It's basically using that and to be able to embrace that, that we can transcend it, you see. It's not to eradicate it. It's the acceptance of it that enables it to eventually transcend it. You know, and this is something that uh, in many ways, you got to be, suppose, aware of that when you're working clients it's not helping clients to eradicate it it's how to embrace it and therefore transcend it so it become uh, incorporated integrated and symbols is the means upon which the unconscious can communicate to us you see that possibility either it's from the dreams that we have whether during our waking consciousness when our imagination enables us yeah, to create the storage which contains elements that is being communicated through the symbols of our narrative whether it's uh, in the, through our drama, our stories, our actions, our movement uh, which is arises without our control an expression of what we need or where we need to go and I've, and one thing I also fear sometimes you got to be uh, I suppose be sensitive symbols can have that uh, numinous quality that can overwhelm an individual too and what may happen because they feel so connected with the collective unconscious that it overwhelms it, the psychic energy overwhelms them. They become inflated 
what we call uh, inflated to the point it makes them feel godlike you see and that can well cannot be very helpful to the individual have I lost oh uh, yeah no you're still with me is it why why I was just checking yeah yeah <laughs> Yes. No, I was looking yes. at the, looking at the Skype to see whether you're still there. Yeah, yeah. So my 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 thoughts is that what fascinates me, you know, when I'm uh, looking at the creation by the children, because of their innocence, the access, the archetypal symbols. Uh, more frequently, more accessible than the adults. That's the funny thing. <laughs> because they have not acquired... Not censored. <laughs> huh? Sorry? I mean, uh, not like adults who tend to censor... Yeah, uh, adults, yeah, because the of the cultivation of the cognition, they tend to dismiss the intuitive life. Yeah, the yeah. one called the yeah. irrational life. Everything have to be rational. With the okay. rationality, yeah. it kills yeah the irrationality of the unconscious. You see, so that is not given much value. That has not been celebrated. The intuition has not been celebrated, and that has been uh, usurped by rationality and uh, linear thinking, you see, in our, in our very strongly uh, one-sided uh, dimension. But with a child, uh, in their early years, when they are not contaminated too strongly by that, you can see that uh, outburst of expression from the archetypal uh, level yeah. those symbols and become more frequent especially when they get feel uh, spontaneous to be able to use their their space to play in a, in a safe way and the things that they created is now dependent upon the adult we tend to see from a rational and cognitive point of view to miss the valuable because we, we are only adults right we are influenced by our, mm -hmm. our our institutions and things that I think scientifically so we are already uh, uh, limited so when we see something that is being presented manifested we can't help but tend to see from an adult or a mature mind that has been so much contaminated by so many years yeah so <laughs> until we can become spontaneous and be childlike and use our irrational intuitive uh, to balance our cognitive then can we have the potentiality yeah to wonder in our active imagination or fantasy to make connections with those richness of those symbols that are in front of us.
Some of the things that uh, child are beyond the social and cultural uh, influences because they're too young to be exposed to some of the things that we take them, uh, but it nevertheless occur. You know, that what fascinates me. And many a times I say, how does this child uh, come about in that play, in the narratives or in the creation of the art? Uh, give rise to that really profound yeah, symbols and so unconsciously and uh, it really is so what do you call it humble to see the the archetypal operating uh, without the feathering uh, without the uh, of our adult world uh. and uh and if if that was given more uh, encouragement, uh, the the required constellation of that archetypal energy will give rise to the natural healing, yeah, of the charm just through play, because it enables those energy to be constellated. Have to bring forth yeah what is required when a child comes to see you I mean like like only oh, the other day when you, I hope I can quote this a child who create uh, an intertwining snake I mean that's a very yeah. very strong not only an intertwining snake using clay but it also paints the one snake red one snake blue you know, just wow. ordinarily paint a play. So in itself, if you were just to take that, yeah, as a symbol, uh, intertwining snake. So if you play with it, so okay, snake. What are snakes about? Snakes are dragons. Snakes are has the com has the ability for self transformation. Intertwining state is also the symbol of the. A rising power of the Kundalini, you know, of the Kadeshias, uh, all those possibilities, and uh, of two energies, yeah, because that's how we see individuation or integration. The two energies been integrated. That's why you get intertwining thing. And the Kundalini is just when the passes the point. That's when you get your chakras. And the, and the snake start from the root chakra right up to the crown chakra. See, uh, so the universal symbols is already there. See, uh, of those uh, energies, that has been just created. I mean, a child can play, roll up simple, simplest things, just roll up in the plasticine, and but but to create in the twining state at that moment in time, yeah, speak loads. And it's only one occasion, and another occasion in the story that the you know when they kill the berry berry, and then to get the power, yeah, they bury whatever the hero in the in the earth, and then become strong again. I mean, how does a child think like that? <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, and the death, uh, death, and then rebirth. Yeah, to use the mother earth the nurturing principle to bring back to life 
Alam mo na, don't think so complicated. Eh. <laughs> It's just say that if the hero, you know, who has been beaten and needs to be renewed energy, buries it and then he comes stronger again and you get his strength yeah. from being buried, you see. Or sometimes they do something symbolic like a light fresh into the dead body mm. and then the dead body come alive mm. becoming more powerful because of the light they use those elements you see uh, and mm -hmm. shape and form too uh, it's the only thing that fascinates me you see square and circle and things like that uh, circle is always the feminine principles eternity square is the uh, grounding the earth thing. Uh, I wonder whether you see, you know, when they draw for bereavement work, they use the circle as the as the frame for the creation of the image image work. I wonder what happened if you change your century into a circle century <laughs> instead of an wow. square <laughs> That will be very yeah. experimental. <laughs> uh, to do some research, well, is that, is that, is that, can that uh, kind of a trigger off a uh, different kind of a constellation of energy? Because we see that in bereavement work, when they draw mandalas, you see, they start with a circle. Mm -hmm. And then in the way they draw it, they tend to, to bring about a lot of uh, kind of a image pertaining to transpersonal imagery and things like that. You know. So there's, there's quite a bit in there. Yeah. Uh, and taking the subtleties of it is what makes our work interesting, I think. Because we can take things kind of uh, literal and look at the, you know, like all those uh, they buy a book and they say dreams translation. This means that I think you missed the point. It become dead, you see. Because the symbol should mm -hmm. be always be alive. It should not have yeah. a and can be absolute very personalized. Meaning. If the moment the symbols have an absolute meaning, it becomes dead. It becomes a sign rather than symbol. A sign mm -hmm. means that yeah. if you see in the toilet the sign of a figure a of a man, <laughs> that's become, become a sign, a universal, accepted. it's not a symbol anymore. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, give individual meaning to it. Mm. So, so those are kind of, I suppose, the kind of uh, ramblings and reflections that I have, you see, about symbols itself, you see. Uh, I'm, I'll be interested too in another area about the body. Uh, because the whole idea with symbols and the bodies is another area that always fascinates me. See. Uh, I think uh, the work of Adam Mendel, see, dreams, dream body, which is a young, in, strong young influence, but where he brings into the soma, which is the uh, the physical body, see, and the symbols on that. I suppose it links with the with the body work uh, and also understanding body work and the transposition of body work into the wider psyche. Yeah. Um, I've been talking quite a lot. I haven't had any chance to, to hear anything else that triggers off 
from our conversation. Mm. Any thoughts from our conversation that you may have? I'll check on our uh, see whether if anybody have anything to add. Okay, uh, I wonder whether listeners, uh, mm -hmm. if you have got anything you want to add, please use the the chat box in the window, is it in the Ustream? And if anything you wanted to say, just text it in. Uh, I'm more than delighted to have a conversation, not only the guests, but also any other listeners that might be listening out there. This will be available as a podcast uh, at creativefrequency.blogspot.com I'm aware that our hour is coming up. Uh, we have a one minute left and uh, that is something that I need to be aware of just to cut down at uh, one hour. May I just go back to YY? Have you got any kind of... Uh, lingering thoughts or anything that just pops in your mind at the moment as we coming up to the close mm, not at the moment not at the moment yeah okay yeah. uh Macy, have you got any thoughts or any lingering you know, things that is mm, not at the moment yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think the other thing that comes up to me too, I think uh, on the levels of cultural symbols, you see, as therapists we need to be sensitive to our own biases, cultural, social biases, uh, mm -hmm. and also to understand if you are working with uh, clients across culture or transculture, on that level, not the archetypal level, uh, to have an appreciation for symbols that are located within the cultural and the social context. Having a, an appreciation of that, then will enable us to understand the more universal symbols. Because uh, in having and understanding of cultural symbols will give us understanding what is universal between the different cultures. You see? Yep. So a form or a shape or a color or an object that represent the same thing uh, may be different culturally but mm -hmm. uh, communicate the same thing if you have an appreciation of that, you see. Uh, and this is this is useful, particularly if you just take, for example, when was that the idea was working? We can represent things in, you know, like uh, in the Celtic knots, you know, which is really a uh, symbol uh, when you look at the, you know, the Chinese knots again. No, the knots mm -hmm. that we tie present. It's it's quite a very human phenomenon, I see. And when you look at that, 
you see you can see what both in representing the nodes are trying to convey and when you go deeper is about the idea you see uh, in the search yourself of the labyrinth of the spiral which are all symbols relating to the same thing you see? or the maze you see uh, so those are the kind of things that, uh, that could be helpful for a therapist whether you counselor or whether you are therapist or whether you play therapist uh, or a drama therapist uh, okay so uh, let me thank my guests this morning uh, I really appreciate my guests uh, joining me and enabling me to be able to make a recording or else I'll be just only talking on my own and I really appreciate your company this morning YY thank you very much Oh, thank you, Chu. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much, uh, Mincy, for joining me this morning, uh, engaging me in conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, thank you. Okay. Uh, I'd like to say uh, goodbye to my guests and also goodbye to my listeners for joining me this morning. And uh, do go to the creativefrequency.blogspot.com and uh, to find future schedules uh, on the live webcast and also our sister program on therapeutic airways which is looking at online counseling and therapy and the next show for that will be in a fortnight for therapeutic airways and i hope you can take some time maybe to join me as a guest panel uh, just to have a Saturday morning conversation and um, and I hope that uh, listeners throughout uh, different cultures different countries can join us to share their perspective and uh, that we very very much appreciate thank you very much and uh, goodbye and thank you Creative Frequency, the voices of creative arts therapists around the globe.